This is Dirk Twine, and I will be speaking with Dr. Joel Wallach, the mineral doctor. Dr. Wallach is considered the premier authority on nutrition in the United States. He has written more than a dozen books on health and nutrition and countless peer-reviewed papers. One of his earliest books exposed the consequences of nutritional deficiencies in animals and humans, entitled Diseases of Exotic Animals, and is currently in the U.S. Smithsonian Institute and has been declared a national treasure. Dr. Wallach's research and discovery of the 90 essential nutrients required for animals and humans was groundbreaking, and the fact that 60 of the 90 nutrients are minerals has garnered Dr. Wallach the title of the Mineral Doctor. Greetings, this is Dirk Twine speaking with Dr. Joel Wallach, the mineral doctor. Dr. Wallach and I will discuss the vegetarian diet. However, before we begin the discussion, I would like Dr. Wallach to briefly share with us some of the more than 40 years of biomedical research and clinical medicine experience that he has in nutrition and in health. Well, thank you, Dirk. Uh, the thing that makes me different when it comes to uh, being a health practitioner is that I have a degree in agriculture. In the agricultural industry, we don't have health insurance for animals, so we learned how to prevent reverse diseases with with nutritional formulas. We've known for over a hundred years that our food supply for livestock and humans uh, is deficient and so we do have to make up that difference. I went on to get a degree in veterinary medicine and then I became a comparative pathologist in one project with the National Institutes of Health, the Centers for the Biology of Natural Systems, Washington University, St. Louis. I actually did over 20,000 autopsies uh, from zoos and human beings living near the zoos, some 17,500 autopsies and over 454 species of zoo animals and 3,000 humans for comparison, 10 million chemistries, 10 million slides with special stains, looking for pollution primarily, but also looking for nutritional deficiencies. And actually published uh, the first paper ever in the United States on a mass die-off from pollution in 1962. And uh, that uh, actually set my career off in a, in a particular direction that I wound up with one paper. Then um, went to, as I say, graduated veterinary school, then became a physician, began treating patients as a uh, primary care physician in 1978. And and so I've got 35 years of experience in translating animal nutrition into human nutrition. Of course, a lot of my patients would have a lot of fun with it. And they say, uh, well, if you're not happy with your doctor, go see Wallach. Now, he'll treat you like a dog, which you get better. Oh, that's great. Well, thank you, Doc. Uh, as a vegetarian for nearly 20 years, I'm very eager to hear your perspective on vegetarianism. So, so let's get started. Firstly, I'd like to share something that uh, probably most people are unaware of. Uh, the word vegetarian comes from the Latin word vegetus, which means means whole, energetic, and full of life. It was coined in the 1840s in England. So this that phrase has been, uh, been around for quite some time. However, in the U.S. today, it has a slightly different meaning. It seems to have expanded since the inception of the philosophy and the practice. Let's look at the various types of vegetarians in the U.S. First, we'll start out with vegan, uh, spelled V-E-G-A-N, but pronounced vegan. A uh, person that eats a plant-based diet exclusively. Uh, fruits, vegetables, nuts, grains, seeds, legumes, or beans. Uh, a lacto is a person that eats a plant-based diet, but also includes dairy products uh, such as cow's milk and its byproducts, cheese, yogurt, sour cream, etc. Ovo uh, is a person that eats a plant-based diet also, but includes eggs from either chickens or duck or some other uh, type of animal. Uh, pesco is a person that eats a plant-based diet, but includes fish. And then polo is a person that eats the plant-based diet and also includes chicken. Uh, however, the only true vegetarian is the vegan, and all others are consuming animal flesh, hence nutritionally they are nearly the same. Therefore, our discussion will primarily be about the vegan vegetarian diet. I think uh, we will try to express uh, the challenges of that type of diet. So, Doc, let's begin with the most frequently asked question of vegetarians. Can the vegetarian diet meet all nutritional needs, particularly protein? In modern times, the answer to that is no. And uh, I'm always sad when people pay primarily attention to protein. This is a vegan's um, mantra. Oh, we mix legumes and grains together so we get perfect protein. Well, that's only one of the 90 essential nutrients. They're, they're leaving themselves out of the other 89. It's that leaving out of the other 89 that get 
vegans in trouble. You think about some of the more famous vegans, Linda McCartney, Paul McCartney, the Beatle, his wife, actually made more money selling her uh, prepared vegan uh, meals her, and her vegan cookbook. She made more money. She made billions of dollars as opposed to the Beatles. Ah. They, they, she made more money than they did as a singing group. And she died at 52. Then you look at Michael Jackson, whose life was really messed up, and uh, he was a vegan. They look at um, Steve Jobs. He was a vegan. He died at 56 and so on. And so veganism is, is problematic. And the reason is the assumption when you eat a vegan diet is that everything is perfect and it's not. Uh, what you're doing is you're depending on getting the all 90 essential nutrients on the throw of a dice every morning. Uh, what if I were to prepare a game for you, Dirk, and say, okay, let's let's play a game. Let's both, we're going to agree for the rest of our lives, we're going to play this game. You wake up in the morning and you throw the dice. And if you get any number but snake eyes, which is a one on both dice, you get to live another day. But if you get snake eyes, you shoot yourself in the head. <laughs> that's not a good game. That's not a good game because <laughs> eventually you're going to hit snake eyes, aren't you? That's right. Even though it's like, well, I mean, come on, how often is that going to happen? But you're going to wind up shooting yourself in the head if you follow the rules of the game. The same with veganism. Uh, there are some communities around the world who can practice veganism because of dumb luck, because they've got 60, 70 minerals in their soil, and all the nutrients they grow in the soil, all the plants they grow in the soil will suck up these minerals. They use wood for fuel. They're third world cultures. They use wood for fuel, and they're putting the wood ashes, which really aren't ashes, which are the, the minerals that are left when you burn the tree for fuel. They put that in the garden, and the trees take up those minerals, which are recycling those 60 essential minerals. But we're talking about really isolated places, very few. Out of 7 billion people on Earth, we're talking about maybe 200 yeah. people. Okay, less than 4, less than 1%, obviously, you know, one thousandth of 1% could eat well and get everything they need. And so we actually began to shoot ourselves. In fact, the guy who invented McCormick um, farming equipment, he died in his 30s from pernicious anemia because he was a vegan. Ah. I mean, he was one of the first billionaires in America, along with the steel makers, you know, Carnegie and people like that. And his name was McCormick, and he died of pernicious anemia. Actually, took a tour of the, the facility, the, his original plant, and they said he died of pernicious anemia. And I said, oh, that's just a B12 deficiency. And they said, well, yeah, he died of B12 deficiency because he was a vegan. Okay. Okay. Uh, I always, uh, that was a great uh, analogy that you gave, but I, I like to, uh, when I speak to people about supplementing, I, I like to give the, a car analogy. If I was leaving Atlanta, Georgia, going to California, and my fuel gauge didn't work, I would certainly fill up my car on a daily basis to make sure that I had enough fuel to make it across the country. And I think that's uh, analogous to what you were saying mm -hmm. in terms of we can't take the chance on running out of gas. We have to fuel ourselves on a daily basis. And my understanding, and uh, correct me if you, you may, uh, that the main reason that we're eating food on a daily basis is to get nutrients from that food. We're not eating for taste. We're not eating because it's pretty. We're eating because our body requires nutrients. Well, you're exactly right. These 90 essential nutrients have that funny little word in there, essential. These are not the 90 optional nutrients. They're as predictable as gravity. You will die if you're missing these things. Some of them, like uh, potassium, if you don't have any potassium in your diet, your heart will stop and you'll die within seconds after being totally deficient in potassium. On the other hand, if you're deficient in calcium, you might live 40 years, but you're going to have osteoporosis, you'll get fractures, you get kidney stones, your teeth will fall out, you get high blood pressure, uh, you get bone spurs and calcium deposits, you'll wind up with all these weird diseases which uh, support the orthopedic surgeons very well, thank you. Um, your urologists for kidney stones and dentists for periodontal disease, all of which are simple calcium deficiency diseases. But eventually you'll fall and fracture a hip and so secondary is a secondary cause of the calcium deficiency, you will die. And so um, every one of these essential nutrients is required every day in optimal amounts. And I'm, I'm 73 now, Dirk, and I've been taking these 90 essential nutrients twice a day since I was nine years old, since I was nine. And I've been blessed with good health, haven't been to a doctor with me being the patient in uh, 64 years. And um, I've never been on a prescription medication. And this is because I have gone out of my way to supplement my food and I eat well. I eat very well because, again, I have a degree in agriculture. I'm a veterinarian. I'm a physician. I'm a pathologist. And so I know you have to eat well, and I eat well, but I don't depend on the nutrients in the food. I just look at nutrients in the food as value added. And to me, eating is more of a social event uh, because I supplement twice a day with the 90 essential nutrients. I take in probably, in some cases, 25,000 times the minimum data requirement. You heard that number right. 25,000. 25,000 times the minimum data requirement. Okay. And people say, well, how do you keep going? How, how can you do 300 free lectures a year? And, and you're never worn out, you're never angry, you're never depressed. I said, well, it's because I take the 90 essential nutrients twice a day, but I don't take them. I don't minimize them.
guys. I don't take them at the minimum data requirement. Okay, for instance, selenium, the minimum data requirement according to the government is 60 micrograms a day. It prevents heart disease, dementia, uh, things like MS, cataracts, um, prevents liver cirrhosis, prevents cardio cardiomyopathy, heart disease, prevents cancer, prevents certain types of anemia, uh, prevents um, certain types of vascular disease, certain types of arthritis, certainly can um, some types of um, thyroid problems are all due to a selenium deficiency. And so am I going to risk, you know, eating just well and hoping it's in there, just like Brazil nuts. There is a myth out there that you can eat three Brazil nuts a day and get all the selenium you want. <laughs> well, Brazil nuts don't require selenium. Right. Okay. Now, if that Brazil nut tree was grown in soil rich in selenium, it'll have some selenium in there. But you can't tell by looking at that Brazil nut to see if there's any in there because it doesn't require it. On the other hand, if you look at a tree or a tomato plant that requires magnesium to make the green leaves and the chlorophyll so they can use the sun's energy for growth and production of whatever it is it's producing, seeds for the next generation, if it doesn't have magnesium, it, the leaves turn yellow. And once you see brown or yellow leaves on a plant, you know there's not enough magnesium in there. So if there's minimum magnesium, the, su the, the plant will pump that magnesium from the lower leaves into the growth leaves at the top. And so that's why the, the growth leaves at the top are always green and the lower leaves are the ones that turn brown because the plant is stealing from the lower leaves to give to the growth leaves. And so the same thing is true for us. Uh, you get diseases when you're deficient in these nutrients. Plants only need three, magnesium, phosphorus, potassium. So if you're eating a pretty good slice of organically grown multigrain bread baked with love by the pastor's wife, who's a, a vegan, <laughs> you're 57 short. Absolutely. Let's look back at what you just mentioned about the calcium, back up to the mm -hmm. calcium sure. loss and, and continue with the protein piece. Uh, it's said that protein consumption causes calcium loss. Let's talk about that a little bit. Well, that's true because protein always has phosphorus associated with it. And the more phosphorus you increase in your diet, the more calcium you need. You, you need to be taking in a ratio of two calcium uh, atoms per one atom of phosphorus. Well, if you're eating lots of uh, proteins, you're getting lots of phosphorus, lots of phosphates, and uh, that increases your your amount of calcium you have. Let's say you take in 100 grams of phosphorus a day in a, in a pound of meat. Well, that means you need four pounds of meat if there's calcium in it, or at least the equivalent of four times that much calcium to, to make it right. Okay. And so if you if you look in my book, Rare Earths Have Been Cures in Chapter 11 under calcium, I show you the different types of food you eat and the common average amounts of phosphorus and calcium in them and how much you have to supplement to make up that difference. Well, in the animal industry, we've spent $100 billion figuring that out just for calcium dirt. Okay. $100 billion. And so when you look at a guinea pig pellet, you know, a little alfalfa pellet for guinea pigs, mm -hmm. a rabbit pellet, chicken pellet, duck pellet, turkey pellet, mouse pellet, um, you have kibbles and bits dog food. We've perfected it. And anything that's in that dog food or rabbit food or guinea pig food or rat food or mouse food or chicken food, it, it, anything that's actually in the food from a nutritional standpoint, whether it's protein or uh, whether it's uh, minerals or vitamins, is value added. We do not depend on it. For the vegan, because they're eating well, it tastes good, looks good to the eye, eating well, you know, fits their philosophy, uh, they're going to get nailed just out of dumb chance. Out of just dumb chance, uh, it's impossible to get everything you need just by eating well. And so they will get them eventually. Yeah. So let's look at uh, the, the vegetarian uh, philosophy in terms of there are certain, certain foods that uh, supposedly provide you with lots of uh, calcium. Things like green leafy vegetables, soy, sea vegetables, molasses, and almonds and figs are all supposedly great sources of calcium. What would you say to a vegetarian that's trying to eat that way? I would still supplement with calcium. And <laughs> you got from those fruits Absolutely. and vegetables, I would uh, um, look at that as value added. Um, I can't can't stress that enough that, you know, human beings are supposedly at the top end of the intelligence ranking compared to other animals, other vertebrates. And you can supplement. We actually have supplement programs that vegans use. There, there's no animal products in there. And it's insane. Why would you throw away 50 years of your life because you don't want to supplement to, to prove a point? It's impossible. It's impossible. Even these cultures that live in the world that, that um, are vegans, they do eat a vegan diet because they're poor. Uh, they don't have lands to graze animals and have animals. Uh, they don't live near a sea where they can get fish. And just by necessity or just by bad luck or where they chose to live or where they were driven by their enemies, they learned to exist on a vegan diet. Well, many, many peoples and animals have disappeared. You know, the species that didn't make it or the cultures that didn't make it, they disappeared. But by dumb luck, by just dumb luck, Dirk, there's the top 20 cultures on Earth, the top longevity cultures on Earth. They live in places that have more than 60 minerals in their soil. When they burn the wood for fuel, for cooking and heating, they put those minerals, those 
those aka wood ashes into their gardens and their tomatoes and sweet potatoes and beets and uh, rice and whatever it is they're growing fruit trees and and so forth um, onions suck all those uh, 60 70 minerals up that's what makes us different our mineral source are plant minerals they're based from plants it's an ancient compost pile contains 77 minerals including all 60 essential minerals so we're different in that we provide and guarantee all 60 essential minerals where nobody else can do that and so it makes us different you, you look at baby food this is very scary this just came out in in april of 2012 baby foods that we entrusted our babies to over the years similac Enfamil, gerbers have 13 or less minerals in it now we need 60 you take a baby and you feed them a baby formula well the 13 minerals in it how many minerals are in there 13 13 <laughs> what about the other 47 baby doesn't have. You wonder why the baby's screwed up. Well, the babies are screwed up mentally and physically, not because of vaccinations. Now, vaccinations, there are kids who are terribly damaged by vaccinations, but we're looking at three out of a thousand, terrible damage. And, uh, you know, I wouldn't vaccinate kids except for when there's a plague going through there and 10,000 people are dying an hour. Then you want to take your chances and get that vaccination, right? Uh, that risk is worth it. But when everything's going well and people are practicing good hygiene, plumbing is working and, and um, you're eating well, you're supplementing properly, I wouldn't vaccinate. And you can opt out. Everybody can sign that opt-out form. But you can never not supplement. These longevity cultures do supplement. Well, there you said they're a third world culture. They are illiterate. They can't read. How would they know about supplementing? Well, by dumb luck, they practice putting wood ashes, a.k.a. plant minerals, plant minerals, a.k.a. wood ashes, back into the garden. And that seems to have happened in every culture around the world that for survived. thousands of years. That yes. survived. Yes. That's the caveat here. And every continent on earth, these surviving cultures all put wood ashes into their garden. They, pregnant women would eat wood ashes. They had these terrible cravings. They would eat wood ashes during their pregnancy. And these are where the minerals come from. Now, what happened at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, Monday, September 4th, 1882? Electricity. You got it. Thomas Edison pulled the switch on the first commercial electric generating plant on Pearl Street in New York City on the bluff overlooking the construction of the Brooklyn Bridge. Every time I go to New York, I visit that site because that is the thing that killed millions of people. Because how many wood ashes, how many plant minerals do you have left over? How much powder do you have left over to put in your garden when you burn electricity for fuel? Zero. Zero. What about propane or natural gas? Zero. What about solar energy? Zero. <laughs> oh my goodness! Green can be bad! Unless you supplement you got to supplement. Then you're not throwing your life away based on the throw of a dice every morning. I mean, why would you do that to your kids? Why would you do that to your loved ones? Why would you do that to yourself? I mean, just think about it. If Steve Jobs, if Linda McCartney and Michael Jackson would have supplemented with minerals, Michael Jackson, Steve Jobs, and Linda McCartney all be still alive today. Oh, fantastic. It's unfortunate that it didn't. Let me ask you a question. Mm -hmm. um, how much protein do you recommend we eat per day? Well, just for maintenance, a 150-pound person requires 45 grams of pure protein. Well, to get 45 grams of pure protein, like you get in a laboratory setting, you might have to eat two pounds of protein, you know, in its gross form, as of uh, beans and meat and eggs and that kind of stuff, to um, get enough protein in the proper ratios and so forth. And so I like to err on the side of excess. I, I For instance, this morning, I had four poached eggs. Okay. I had um, uh, two ounces of yogurt, cherry yogurt, and I had uh, coffee with my chocolate added to it. So I, got, I had my mocha cafe, the flavanols, the lower blood pressure, and uh, give me some antioxidant points, some auric points. And, oh, I had nuts and I had grapefruits. Okay. So I have for, plus all my supplements. I so had, how many grams of protein would you say that you had oh, this in morning? Four, well, in an in, in egg protein, there's, I think there's uh, 27 grams of protein per egg. Okay. So I got um, over 100 grams of protein, which is about double what they recommend. Okay. Very high quality protein. When you look at the biological value of protein, eggs is 100, red meat um, is uh, 65, dairy is 85. So you, it goes 100 for eggs, 85 for dairy, 65 for red meat. You get down to in the 50s, 52 to 55 for beans, and it's in the 40s, 42 to 45 for grain as a biological value. In other words, that you can absorb them as a human being and, and employ them into rebuilding your own protein. So if you have a granny who's, say, 75 years old, and she's losing muscle mass because her digestion isn't real good, are you going to give her a vegan diet and give her beans and protein, uh, you know, beans and grain? Or are you going to give her eggs? Probably eggs. Probably Because she's eggs. eating them anyway. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's yeah. why she's 75, right? Yeah. But yeah, she should be getting egg protein because it's of high biological value. Now, here's the thing that I, I, I get from you know really well-meaning people, Dirk, and they say, well, 
Come on, Wallach. Look at a cow. You get a thousand pound dairy cow, uh, like a Holstein cow. She weighs a thousand pounds. Did she eat meat? No. Did, did she eat eggs? Well, no. Uh, did she eat fish or, or, or chicken? No. Why do I need this? She's, she's living on grass out there. She grew to be a thousand pounds. Well, two things happened there. Number one, she has four stomachs. She's got a hundred million friends in that one called a rumen. Those hundred million friends are able to digest fiber and turn it into amino acids. Fiber is just a string of carbon. But those little bugs in there, some of them animals, some of them plant material, will take nitrogen and put it onto the carbon chains and turn them into amino acids. And then you're able to add sulfur to that in your body and turn it into insulin. Okay, now, cow does all that by just eating grass and green plants growing on the soil. Goats can do it by eating twigs and they browse the twigs and bushes and things where cows don't. That's all the same thing. Goats have four stomachs. If you look at all the six, I think it's six continents on earth um, that, that have animal life on it, the most universal form of animal life all over the world is a rumen, is a four stomach animal. Why in the old days, in, in the exploration days, in the, in the settling days of America, here in North America, do they use oxen to pull wagons instead of horses. Because they, they ate grass. Because they ate grass and they could live on and do very well, thank you, on uh, the prairie grasses and didn't need you didn't need to bring a separate wagon to haul feed for them. Horses are a single stomach animal like you and me and they can't eat the same thing as cattle can. And so they had to bring an extra wagon full of grains for the horse. Okay. And so that's why they use oxen because oxen could live off the land but horses you had to carry their food with. Well, that leads me to another question I had for you. Is it true that all foods have protein and what's the difference between animal and vegetable protein? You gave us an example of protein values but what's the difference between the two types of protein? proteins and do all foods have protein? Um, all foods do not have protein. Okay? There's no protein in honey. Uh, there's no, there's no, but if you look at something like an apple, there's not much protein in an apple unless you eat the seeds. The, the protein that's in an apple is in the seed. Okay. And when you look at a red delicious apple, what is the weight of the seeds, you know, the two dozen seeds that might be in that apple? It's not even 1% of the weight of that apple. They're very tiny little seeds to make an apple. There's extremely small amounts of protein in that fruit. Uh, the more concentrated forms of protein are in our grains and in seeds and also um, beans, uh, legumes, beans, peas lentils, things of this nature. Also in peanuts, which can be problematic because of the aflatoxins, which is a byproduct of aspergillus infestation, you know, fungus infestation, causes liver cancer, liver disease, liver cirrhosis. So that's a negative there, getting protein from peanuts. And I hear that all the time because I travel around this country. I give 300 free lectures all over. I meet people, you know, of every religion. I meet people of, of who have different food allergies. I meet people who have different dietary beliefs. And so I see people who eat everything you can think of. And there's the universal thing, the universal shortages are mineral. Proteins, everybody can kind of get along. They, your body has a great capacity uh, to take amino acids produced by just about anything and turn it into protein. And so uh, usually uh, vegans have to eat quite a bit during the day. They eat great volumes of food as well as eat may maybe eat four, five, six, seven meals a day. They're constantly grazing during the day, if you want to use that term. And same like thing like a cow. There's so little food value in grass, that cow is eating all day, constantly. Oh, that's her job is just to eat all day and uh, hopefully get and there's a lot of places on earth where animals don't grow. There's no animal because there's no nutrition in the soil. So if you want to grow animals there just because there's grass, the grass only needs three minerals, right? Cow needs 60. Right. And so you're going to have to supplement that. Uh, this is one terrible study that I did uh, in Kishan, China. In Kishan, China, there's no selenium in the soil. In Kishan, China, there's no selenium in the soil. They have the highest rate of hypertrophic cardiomyopathy heart attacks in kids of anywhere in the world. My wife and I went there and over a six-week period, we did 1,200 autopsies and kids below the age of 10 who died of hypertrophic cardiomyopathy heart disease was insulin deficient. They're all poor subsistence farmers. They didn't have enough animals to, to provide cheese or meat for these kids. Chickens couldn't live, uh, supplementing them. And so they just lived on grain and vegetables. They could grow in the garden. They grew vegetables and grain. These kids would die of hypertrophic cardiomyopathy heart disease. So we showed them how to supplement with selenium in a multiple, and we wiped that disease out in those communities, but they have to supplement. Fantastic. Now that's an extreme case, but it's, you know, it's an illustration what's happening on a lower level in industrialized nation. Uh, because, uh, for instance, a omnivore, somebody who eats dairy and meat and eggs and fish and so forth, they're going to get a little bit of something, especially if they're eating animal products because animals are supplemented, right? So they're going to get a little bit of something. And uh, you wonder why the the people who, when you look at the long-lived people on Earth, the top top uh, 20 longevity cultures, my wife and I wrote a book called Immortality, where we looked at that. That was the question we looked at. Who lives the longest? Because we were, we were bombarded by people saying, well, my diet's the best, my diet's the best, my diet's the best. So we looked at these top 20 longevity cultures, and we didn't pick them. The, the uh, National Geographic picked them. We gleaned through 60 years of National Geographic, and they actually had special issues 
on these top 20 longevity cultures. And I was always amazed that they never put them all in one issue. And so we put all these cultures into one issue, um, uh, one, ma one magazine, one giant book actually uh, called Immortality. And we, sh we actually, over 10 years, through the National Geographic, through the universities in the countries in which these people live, we looked at the soil analyses where these people lived. We looked at anthropology studies on them, what they ate and what their cultures did and so forth, how they got there. And this is all in this book, by the way, Immortality, shows you how these illiterate countries, these third world cultures, outlive us and are healthier than us. It's by dumb luck. By dumb luck, they happened to pick a place. Either they were chased there by their enemies or they picked this place because there's a lot of game there to, to eat, a lot of animals to eat wild animals and uh, by dumb luck they have 60 or more minerals there and so as they're putting their wood ashes in the gardens they're recycling those 60 minerals some of them have 70 some of them have 80 minerals and they're putting them all uh, back in the gardens and they're eating the plants that suck these nutrients up but they're supplementing with those minerals by putting wood ashes in their gardens it's an indirect supplementation although a lot of them do uh, put wood ashes in their food they don't have um, flour to thicken things with, um, and so they will thicken a lot of like stews and soups with wood ashes, so they're getting the minerals directly that way. And so they do supplement. And this is something we've missed ever since we've given up wood as our common fuel. And maybe people could do a better job as vegans 100 years ago back if they, by dumb luck, lived in a place that had enough minerals in the soil and they were putting wood ashes in their garden and consuming wood ashes. Uh, they could, as a vegan, survive and do very well. But now we don't do that, so now they have to supplement. So that kind of takes me back to the whole concept a lot of vegetarians talk about is... Uh, plant foods uh, having amino acids. Let's talk a little bit about amino acids and protein, complete protein versus incomplete protein. Let's talk about that a little. Well, again, that's the mantra that vegans talk about. They're talking about proteins. They're always talking about protein. We mix seeds and, and beans and grains to, to guarantee the right amount of amino acids and protein. Well, amino acids are the building blocks for protein. Amino acids are the building block for proteins. Proteins are made up of combinations of amino acids. When you look at a protein as a string of amino acids, and when you begin to digest them, you don't just break them down immediately into all individual amino acids. They're broken down into strings of amino acids, short strings, from long strings to short strings. These are called polypeptides. Okay? If you absorb these polypeptides, which most people do, and you have nutritional Efficiencies, you can't fend these things off, you become allergic to them. Your body recognizes them as wheat or corn or potato or pea or strawberries or whatever it might be because you're not digesting these things down to the individual amino acids before you you absorb them. And uh, this is a great, great research project where they actually show where you could absorb digestive enzymes and these digestive enzymes they would take them from your blood and still they worked as an enzyme after taken from your blood the digestion process didn't denature the enzyme i found that very fascinating um, people get hung up particularly vegans and vegetarians of various types ovo vegetarians ovo lacto vegetarians ovo lacto pisco pollo vegetarians uh, they, they get hung up on the protein thing and that's only one of the 90 essential nutrient group you need to to go and make sure you're getting all 90 don't get fixated on the protein and so is it a challenge though even say for instance my, like myself a person has been using all 90 essential nutrients and using a protein supplement is there still challenges for instance cholesterol is that a challenge for a vegan okay well, well protein you can you know you can eat enough beans and grains to get protein when, now you've introduced a new word here cholesterol now this is a different story you have to appreciate that 85% of the weight of every cell wall in your body is cholesterol. You have steroid hormones such as testosterone, estrogen, progesterone, and um, adrenal hormones, which are 85% or 90% by weight cholesterol. So your adrenal hormones, testosterone, estrogen, progesterone, are all steroid hormones, and they're 85 to 9% by weight cholesterol. So if you're not eating cholesterol, you cannot make enough. You cannot make enough to get all the hormones you need. You cannot make enough, rebuild and maintain your brain. 85%, no, 75%, 75% of your brain weight is the myelin, the white matter of the brain. And 100% of the white matter of the brain, the myelin of the brain, the insulation material of the brain is cholesterol. And so if you think you're going to get through life and live a long, healthful life and not be, you know, have dementia or depressed or manic depression and so on, um, without either supplementing with cholesterol, you know, take a cholesterol soft gel capsule like we take fish oil capsules, or eating eggs and fat from meat you're living in la la and you just can't do it you can't make enough for your own needs so how, how much cholesterol in comparison to 
how much does the body make in comparison to what you need? About 5%. The body makes about 5%. body makes about 5% of the you cholesterol know, that your body needs. You, if you go on a complete cholesterol-free diet, you will not live very long. You, you okay. just can't. And um, if, if you, I always tell people, okay, if veganism was the optimal way to live, and I, I call veganism more of a political diet as opposed to, you know, save the earth and don't eat animals. You can feed 100 people for what you can feed one cow. And so I look at it as a political diet as opposed to a nutritional diet, unless it's supplement. You can do it supplementary. Okay, so I was comparing... Uh, we had talked about protein, but I said we can supplement with protein, but the cholesterol piece, was that an issue with vegans? Yes. Okay. And so the cholesterol piece, you have to supplement with cholesterol. You have to eat cholesterol every day. Again, when you look at um, vegans as a group, and you take an average lifespan of vegans, you take the average lifespan of all peoples in the world, and then you take an average lifespan of all vegans in the world, the vegans are not going to live as long as the people who get animal proteins because uh, attached to animal proteins is cholesterol. I'm, I'm going to start looking at the rates of emotional problems with vegans. Depression, manic depression, bipolar disease, anxiety attacks, panic attacks. I'm going to start looking at adrenal exhaustion. I'm going to look at things like dementias, Alzheimer's disease, infertility, miscarriages, and I guarantee it's much higher in vegans as a group than it is in meat eaters, or at least people who eat animal protein. You don't have to eat meat. You can eat eggs and fish and that kind of thing. If I had to pick one animal protein, I would pick eggs. I would take okay. eggs because of the cholesterol associated with it. So we talked earlier about the different types of vegetarians in the U.S. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and so is there really any difference? Because I know vegetarians like to differentiate. The ones that are only eating fish think that they're, they're better off by avoiding the red meat or avoiding the chicken. Is there any real difference between the types of protein, including eggs? When you're talking about animal protein, again, when you, when you look at the biological value, this is well documented. The U.S. Department of Agriculture did this. Egg protein, 100. Dairy protein is 85. Red meat is 65. Um, beans and nuts, uh, and there's not much protein in the nuts, mostly fat, but not cholesterol. It's saturated fat. Beans and nuts, uh, their protein, you're looking at uh, uh, well, 62 to 65 percent biological value. We're looking at grains, it's down to 42 to 45 percent. And so by mixing grains and nuts and legumes, you're better off because you're raising that biological value up for yourself. And again, it's, it, to me, it's a political statement more than a nutritional, a, a viable nutritional thing. Because can you find me any colonies of vegans, Dirk, where they wean the baby off the mother's breast milk and say a year old, two years old, four years old, doesn't matter. They wean the baby off the mother's breast milk and they went immediately to a vegan diet. And, well, there's, hundreds of, and there's hundreds of kids, happy, giggly kids running around. Well, more, I, I think more what you're talking about in terms of political and religious mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, organizations that become vegetarian or vegan mm -hmm. because of those reasons. I don't know if any other cultures otherwise. Yeah. But I, I was more addressing uh, sometimes people want to think that their type of vegetarianism, for instance, a lacto or a ovo or a pesco might think that it's better for them to eat this way. Mm -hmm. It's significantly no difference. Uh, it, well, it's really no not true. Again, egg protein and dairy protein are much higher okay. in the biological okay. value system. Okay. But they're still eating animal protein. That's right. Yeah. Well. And they're still, and, 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 and the reason I bring that up is because typically people are so afraid of cholesterol. And no matter what animal protein you're eating, mm -hmm. you're getting cholesterol. And so uh, the value, you're saying egg is the best, and then... Uh, I think it was uh, uh, chicken was before was was better than than red meat and so forth and so on. But uh, I was just trying to make a point in terms of uh, you're still getting pro you're still eating animal protein you're still eating cholesterol and there are some values that are higher in some of the proteins but you're still eating animal protein. So you're you're not really a vegetarian. In other words, that's my you're whole point. Yeah, you're omnivore. You're a person that eats animal and vegetables. Yeah, and so people who are not vegans are really omnivores as yes. opposed to vegetarians. Absolutely. Okay, let's move on. Let's, let's talk a little bit uh, about energy from a meat source versus a vegetable source. What, what's the difference there? Well, depending on what vegetable. If you're getting energy from lettuce, you're going to have to work real hard to get uh, If you get energy from a potato, um, it, it costs you four times more uh, in terms of B vitamins than it does if you're getting energy from meat, red meat. Because protein and uh, fats are cheaper to burn in terms of as opposed to um, carbohydrates. Carbohydrates are very expensive to burn 
from terms of cofactor. And so the worst thing we do in the world, Dirk, is when you have these famines, you have these disasters around the world, natural disasters and famines. We send grain. We send rice, right? Rice. We send them, <laughs> we send them white rice. <laughs> and we're sending them plane loads and boat loads and truck loads of white rice, and then they all die. They, they all get beriberi, and they all get um, pellagra, and they all die congestive heart failure and quashiorcor and all this kind of stuff. We'd be much better off to give them the 90 essential nutrients and a protein bar and okay. with bags of rice. And again, this is all from advice being given to them by consulting doctors to the UN and to governments all over the world, people's diet is they're primarily eating rice. So let's send them rice. No, they're eating chicken eggs, they're eating fish, and they're eating uh, monkeys that they catch, they're eating you know, they're, uh, birds, and uh, they're eating um, goat meat and cheese and milk and everything. You know, even the Maasai, they live on cattle blood and milk. And you know, you look at them, and man, they're seven foot tall, they're very healthy people, and they live on milk and blood. And the secret though is they live in places that have lots of minerals in the soil. And so the sweet potatoes and things like that that they do eat, the poi and stuff that they eat, um, are grown in soil that they're putting their wood ashes back in there and they happen to live in places that have lots of minerals and so it's, it's more than the superficial look and people tend to not having the other knowledge they don't know what questions they ask so they say, they visit there and they say well these people are i mean they're living on rice you look at the chinese they're living on rice well yeah but the chinese eat more animal protein per person i think there's a book out called the china study and he said everybody in china is a vegetarian of some type um, or vegan well, the only vegans and vegetarians in China are American visitors who are vegans. Well, what about Buddhists? There are a lot of Buddhists that are, are vegetarians also. Ah, uh, they're vegetarians, they're not vegans. They will drink milk and cheese and stuff okay. like that. Okay, yeah. so they'll do that. So they're a lacto-ovo philosophy yeah. as opposed to being vegan. Uh, and I remember back in the 60s and 70s when uh, athletes, for instance, were on a high-protein diet and then... Uh, late 70s and 80s moved to a high-carb diet, that philosophy. Who's better off doing that? In the long haul, the ones who are eating a high-protein diet were better off than the ones that ate a high-carb diet. Remember, carbohydrates are more expensive in terms of cofactors needed to get the energy extracted from as opposed to protein. And when you look at some of the crazy things professional athletes do, you know, jump in the stands and beat up paying customers, and, and um, they do crazy things. They can't control themselves, and that's because they lose the nutrients so fast because they've carved up. They carb up, carb up, carb up the night before. Uh, that was actually invented by the wife of a Canadian. His name was Brian Maxwell. Uh, he had run a hundred marathons. He had 14 gold medals running the marathon and his wife invented the, the, the power bar and went for the carbs and she invented the, the carb up the night before and that way you had more energy to run your race because they were looking at the glycogen the animal starch stored in your liver and muscles and so forth and um, it was just one of those terrible things they created because what happens is when you carb up you're going to have energy for a while and then you crash and you go into a state of depression you go into a state of depression after a while because your blood sugar is dropping like a rock and this doesn't happen when you eat protein because when you have protein mixed with fat it stabilizes your blood sugar and now they've gone back to eating you know a steak the night before and eggs for breakfast before a big event whether it's football or basketball or soccer or run yeah i was a college basketball player and i remember doing those the mid 70s mid to late 70s we would eat steak and eggs for pre-game meals and uh, that was pretty much the standard back yep. then and you'd stabilize your blood sugar and you'd have enough nutrients to to perform at a very high ebb and the ones who still practice carving up the night before uh, will crash somewhere in the middle of the game. Okay. Well, let's talk a little bit about some of the positives about being a vegetarian. Uh, for instance, the um, high antioxidant levels, which uh, will increase your immune system, um, high fiber, high water, uh, and even the 1970s work done by Dr. Dean Ornish in terms of clearing the arteries of some of his patients using a vegetarian diet. Let's, let's address some of the positives, I guess, and to what degree they are positive. Well, sure. Um, there are positives to a vegan diet, but again, you can't let those positives blind you. <laughs> well, yeah, thank you. Blind you to ignoring the negatives, right? Uh, what you want to do is get the positives from a vegan diet and then supplement and make up the deficiencies of the negatives and you're fine. And, um, you know, I find people like yourself who've been a vegan for at least 20 years that I know of and you're extremely well, uh, you do uh, your martial arts, your martial arts master, and I'm so very proud of you that you supplement heavily. Um, and you're an example of what a vegan can be. You're as fit and tough 
uh, physically as a vegan can be, and, and you've been very faithful to the vegan diet. I know this. I've known you for 15 years. But you supplement properly, and you make up the deficiencies, and so whatever you get from your food is value added. Now, one of the things we have learned about eating more vegetables and fruits and, and things of that nature is that the antioxidants will help fend off certain diseases. You can reduce your risk of cardiovascular disease. You can reduce your risk of um, dementias. You can reduce your risk of cataracts. You can reduce your risk of cancer by getting your ORAC points, your antioxidant points, above 100,000 ORAC points a day. And ORAC points, it's an acronym that was coined by the U.S. Department of Agriculture called Oxygen Radical Absorption Capacity. It's a measurement of how many free radicals are actually neutralized by the antioxidants in the food. And of course, antioxidants come in many forms. Now, let's just look at the one that's produced by the body, the most potent one produced by the body is called glutathione. Um, this is one of the most potent antioxidants out there, but if you don't have enough selenium, one of the things that happens is one molecule of glutathione will knock off one molecule of a free radical and it's done. It generates more. If you're supplementing with selenium in proper amounts, that selenium will recycle that one molecule of glutathione. So it might work against it. One molecule of glutathione in the presence of selenium might uh, knock off um, a thousand um, molecules of a free radical. Wow, so that's amazing. One. Yeah. And so you can't just think in terms of the antioxidants you get either from the food or that's produced by your body when you're um, uh, eating uh, that food. And so you do have to bring in all the support cofactors to guarantee it's all going to work properly. So auric points is a way of measuring that. And of course, um, one of the things we know uh, result in anti-aging effects are the antioxidants you find in dark berries, including grapes, black grapes, and purple and, and blue grapes have more antioxidants in them than green grapes. If you look at something as simple as resveratrol, which is the stuff that is given credit for the French living 10 years longer than us, they say, well, it's the French paradox. They live 10 years longer than us because they, they wean their babies off of breast milk onto wine. They don't even drink water, right? And <clears throat> resveratrol. So I like to take in the equivalent of about 900 glasses of red wine a day in terms of resveratrol supplementation. And so I'm getting the antioxidant power of 900 glasses of red wine a day as opposed to drinking 900 glasses of red wine. Of course, you wouldn't get that far. You'd be unconscious from anesthesia <laughs> from all the alcohol. But my understanding, too, is uh, even... Even eating a very good vegetarian diet, I understand one serving of a fruit or a vegetable will only give you about 600 auric points compared to a supplement program where you can take, as you said, anywhere from 50 to 100,000 mm -hmm. very easily per day. Yes. So the challenge is, even if you are super duper vegetarian and you ate uh, 20 servings of fruits and vegetables per day, which most people won't do, mm -hmm. uh, you would never get past 10,000, 12,000 auric points. Yes. And that's uh, exactly not sufficient right. to help fight off diseases. You're exactly right. And of course, you take in, what would you say, 200 servings of fruits? No, no, I said 20. <laughs> oh, 20. Yeah, you're going to get screaming diarrhea with all that fiber and fruits and vegetables, right? And so I like dark chocolate. Uh, we have a lot of dark chocolate products. And uh, dark chocolate is a wonderful way to get ORAC points. And you can take a good quality dark chocolate liquid that has 3,000 ORAC points uh, per ounce. Um, we have a piece of chocolate the size of a pat of butter. You take two of those little pieces of dark chocolate that, that um, have uh, or the size of a pat of butter have the amount of antioxidants in it that you get in 25 servings of fruits and vegetables. It'll give you 33,000 auric points to eat two pieces of this chocolate. And, that's, uh, and, and it's vegetarian friendly. Oh, oh, it is. It is. It's vegan. It's vegan friendly. Okay. It's vegan friendly. Plus it has the flavanols to help lower blood pressure. It's just they're wonderful things. And of course, all vegans should be using our dark chocolate because you can. You can take, I take six pieces a day. So I'm getting over 100,000 auric points a day. And so whatever you get from your food is value added. You, now you got it. That, that's the secret to making this work. Whether you're a vegan, a vegetarian, uh, whether you're an oval lacto-vegetarian, whether you're a meat eater, whether you're a meat and potatoes kind of guy. If you supplement, you're leveling the playing field. So no matter what your dietary choices are, whatever value you get from your food is value added. You know, you look at a medical doctor who gets less than 30 minutes of nutritional training and 14 years of medical school and residency and internship, it, these guys say, well, eat lots of variety and put four different colors on your plate. That's insane when we spent $100 billion tripling the lifespan of dogs, eliminating 900 different diseases still plague humans by making sure they had all the nutrients in their food. Yeah, and, and the science is there. Mm -hmm. and, and too often I find in natural health that people will approach me and say, uh, what'd you get that from? I don't believe it. My doctor never told me that. Well, there are sciences there, you just haven't read it. And I always tell people also, you don't ride in a horse and buggy anymore. You drive a car. 
I personally don't wash my dishes by hand. I put it in a dishwasher. <laughs> I mean, if the science is there, use it. And certainly the science is there that nutritional supplementation is so important. And it's such a struggle to get people to understand that. Well, all you have to do is look at the lifespan of a doctor, even a vegan doctor. The average lifespan is 56. Why would you go to a group of guys and gals whose average lifespan is 56 to learn how to live to be 100 in a healthy way? They're, they're not the go-to people. As one of my colleagues, uh, Dr. Glidden, always says, God bless their little hearts. So just love them to pieces. But it should be a felony for them to give advice when it comes to nutrition. They, they just, their patients a disservice whenever they give them advice about nutrition. Let's, uh, Let's talk a little bit about some of the negatives about vegetarianism. For instance, uh, uh, those that have a high starch, high carb diet. Talk a little bit about B B12 deficiency, and also like to discuss some of the conditions that may arise from uh, pregnant women, children, okay. and young teens, all sure. of those sort of things. That Let's start out on the front end here. Let's start out with conception. Uh, most of the infertility problems that occur in the world are caused by malnutrition. And I see a lot of people, many of whom are vegans, who are infertile. They just can't get pregnant. How do I get pregnant? Well, how many eggs do you eat? Well, none. I'm a vegan. Well, there you go. And so I say, well, I want you to eat, uh, you know, say 130 to 150 pound woman. I say, I want you to eat four eggs every day. I can't do that. Well, you're not going to get pregnant. Uh, you ever have miscarriage? Yeah, I've had four miscarriage. Well, that means you're not sterile because you can get pregnant. You just can't hold the pregnancy. Uh, what do you supplement? Well, I'm a purist. I just eat very well and I, I get everything I need for my food. Well, no. Let's say you have a pregnancy in an unsupplemented vegan, the odds of you have having a baby that has some biochemical or physical problems can be very high. Cleft palate, spina bifida, uh, neural tube defects, uh, things like heart defects of all kind, a cerebral palsy, Down syndrome is very high. Cystic fibrosis. Mustard dystrophy. What I find is, Dirk, the, in, and I work with large colonies of certain cultures that, you know, as much as 30 to 50 percent of the births in those cultures are cystic fibrosis and mustard dystrophy. The men die at average age of 62 with cardiomyopathy heart disease, all of which is a selenium deficiency. And so it's imperative when you know these things in a community and not to supplement and just keep going to fertility clinics hoping that this pregnancy be the good one. And paying thousands of $25,000 for in vitro fertilization, artificial insemination. And they're getting pregnant naturally, sexual intercourse. They just can't hold the pregnancy because they don't have enough nutrition to hold the pregnancy. So I get more women pregnant than any other man in history. I get about 25,000. <laughs> I mean, I, the only one that I can't keep up with is the history of Solomon, right? He had 300 wives. But I get about 25,000 women pregnant every year. But it's always from nutrition, regulating uh, what they eat, uh, eliminating gluten, adding the 90 essential nutrients, and then you can eat whatever diet you want. So what about some of the deficiency conditions like B12, iron deficiency, anemia? Tell me a little bit about that. Comes to, uh, well, these are very time. common in people who are vegans. Again, both of those are nutrient deficiencies, right? Um, and vitamin B12 is sort of a weird vitamin, and then it has a mineral attached to it, cobalt. Okay, And so when you're deficient in B12, uh, several things can be happening. Number one, you might supplement with B12 and still be deficient in B12 if you don't have enough stomach acid. Well, how much salt do you eat? Well, none. My doctor told me to cut back on my salt, so I just get enough for my food. Really? And you have a B12 deficiency. Well, yeah. So I have to take B12 shot because I've tried supplementation. won't work. Well, that's because you're not making enough stomach acid because you require salt, sodium chloride to make stomach acid. And so even if you supplement with B12 and you're not making stomach acid, you can't absorb it because there's a, a factor produced by the stomach called intrinsic factor. I guess the whole name is Castle's intrinsic factor. And it binds with vitamin B12 in the presence of stomach acid to be absorbed. Minerals can't, particularly iron can't, since you brought that up, iron specifically has to be absorbed in an acid environment. If you're drinking, um, and I sell alkaline water, I, I love alkaline water, but not during meals because it neutralizes your stomach acid and you won't be able to absorb nutrients efficiently. I see an enormous number of people who are very, very ill with maybe 20 different diseases because they can't absorb nutrients. They're drinking uh, structured alkaline water with meal. So we have all kinds of problems going on here that affect what goes on in your stomach. And even if you supplement, you could be deficient in these things. So iron is very tricky. B12 is very tricky. Digesting proteins is very tricky. Even if you're eating good protein, regardless of the source, and you're not making stomach acid, then pepsin, the, the enzyme produced by the stomach to digest protein down into the amino acids, which are then easily absorbed and don't cause allergies, um, can, uh, you'll wind up absorbing polypeptides because you don't have enough stomach acid for the pepsin to work properly. And I find it interesting. People always want to say, well, well um, cooking in microwaves destroys the enzymes in my food. Well, you don't need enzymes in your food because you produce all the enzymes you need if you're getting a perfect diet. Oh, that's a great lead-in, Doc. Live foodist or raw foodist mm -hmm. concept because too often they're purist mm -hmm. in their philosophy mm -hmm that I'm not going to cook anything, I'm not going to raise the temperature above 117 mm. degrees, I'm going to get all the enzymes and get all these great things. And you just share with us, mm. the body will make enzymes mm -hmm. if you're healthy. 
And another point that I want to make on that same note, those people are typically very health conscious people. Like most vegetarians, they're trying to be healthy. But unfortunately, they only have bits and pieces of information. They don't have enough information to complete the circle. They are, they're, 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 they're in trouble, unfortunately. Exactly right. Uh, and it, it's the pieces that are left out that cause the problem. Cook improperly when you eat improperly, when you supplement improperly, you're going to have problems. And, and because vegans tend to be very strict, and, and, and you know, there's breathitarians, and there's raw foodists, and, and so forth, and most people can't handle a raw food diet because there are phytates in raw vegetables and grains, whole grains. Phytates are, are the things that make a carrot pop when you break it in half. It snaps. Phytates are what makes hull or the bran on wheat hard and shiny. Um, it's the thing that makes the seeds on the pods of a pea snap when you, when you break it. And these phytates bind onto your dietary minerals into an indige indigestible, unabsorbable compound which goes out the other end into the toilet. You're going to eat me very well, and the more raw food you eat, the more you're in danger from phytates. Again, in Chapter 11 of that book, Rare Earths Been Cures, I, I have a whole big section in that Chapter 11 on phytates and the hazard of eating raw foods uh, constantly, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. You're going to be in trouble, especially if you don't supplement. Uh, I think uh, they, most of the raw foodists are typically marinating their foods, uh, and so they're not actually eating it in its rawest, I guess if, you, if that's a word, rawest state. Uh, they're doing some sort of marinating and, and, some, and eliminating that pop or snap that you're talking about. Uh, but the enzyme piece is not factual, is it, Doc? No, you don't need enzymes from your food. You make all the enzymes, digestive and absorption enzymes you need. You make all this. Uh, in fact, that's what DNA and RNA do is they make enzymes because uh, we are enzyme beings. You can't use oxygen without enzymes. You can't use food without enzymes. You can't create energy or burn energy without enzymes. And so you've been provided with all that you need in your body. You don't need to be eating it, but you do need to eat the raw materials and the cofactors necessary for those enzymes to work. Okay. Well, let me ask you one more thing. Um, one of the, I guess... Uh, prideful things that vegetarians talk about is having a low-fat diet. What's the challenge with having a low-fat di diet, vegetarians? Okay, there's two um, problems with a low-fat diet. Number one, uh, we are a fat-eating organism. Human beings are. We require fat. In fact, as much as uh, 60 to 70 percent of your calories should come from fat. You know, medical doctors say that less than 30 percent. They want you down 26 percent, 24 percent of your calories coming from fat. Really, we should be having 60 to 70 percent of your calories coming from fat. Number one, to stabilize your blood sugar. Um, and you don't get obese when you eat fat. What do you think about that? When they fatten cattle for Ruth Chris's Steakhouse to make them prime beef, right? Or you go to the Hilton in New York City and you want a prime uh, steak. I mean, you want two inches of fat on it. You want all that beautiful marbling in the middle and it's so tender you can cut it with a fork. Do they feed those cattle fat or whole grains? Whole grains. Boink. <laughs> The reason why we're the number one obese nation in the world is because we've been told to eat whole grains. Now, eating whole grains in the absence of minerals, you will get fat. You will develop diabetes. And so that's very problematic. Whole fat is good for you. Chicken fat, not fried, roasted, raw, baked is good. That's for the French. Do you think that a five-star French chef is going to bake a croissant for the president of France using canola oil and margarine. No, he's going to use eggs and cream and butter and lard. Absolutely. And they live 10 years longer than us. All right. Also, you have the essential fatty acids, right? You need omega-3, 6s, and 9s, which are fats, whether it's plant fats or animal fats. Some um, sources of these fats, like plant, have maybe 8%. Some oils have only 8% essential fatty acids, like olive oil is 8 to 12% uh, omega-3s. You look at um, flaxseed oil, 78%. You look at... Board a borage oil is very high. Primrose oil. Yeah, primrose oil is very high, up 78%. But also, when you look at fish oil, you look at a very high salmon oil, 78%, omega-3. So there's certain plant oils that are the same as fish oils, but there's certain plants that are very, very low, and you couldn't eat enough to get what you need. We use fat very efficiently for energy. It doesn't cost you a lot of cofactors, so it's cheaper to burn fat for fuel in terms of cofactors than it is to burn carbohydrate. Fat is very important to human beings. Uh, we eat, we should be eating 60 to 70% of our calories coming from fat. And by chance, then, you're going to get more of the essential fatty acids, but depending on what the animal ate. For instance, if you eat a deer and eat the fat from the deer or eat the fat from a chicken that's been fed beans, a lot of beans in their diet, they're going to have more omega-3s in it than if they're just fed wheat only. Okay. okay. And, and, and um, we need fat to, again, for energy, we need it to make our brains 
and we need the cholesterol that's in fat to make uh, steroid hormones, testosterone, estrogen, progesterone, adrenal hormones. So people who are on a strict fat-free diet are not going to make. Okay. And last part that I'd like to discuss with you, Doc, many times uh, vegetarians will pose certain questions about meat uh, and why we shouldn't eat it. For instance, um, there are pharmaceutical drugs in meat, antibiotics, hormones, uh, pesticide residue. Uh, then talk, they also talk about processed meats, the dangers of cancer, carcinogenic effect of processed meats, uh, parasites, bacteria, high levels of adrenal hormones in animal flesh. Let's talk about that a little bit, the, the, the bad part okay. that vegetarians talk about in terms of meat eating. Well, certainly they're quite correct. Uh, I give them they're quite correct when it comes to processed meats with nitrates and nitrites, and it does increase your risk of cancer, increase your risk of cardiovascular disease, particularly arteriosclerosis, atherosclerosis, because elevated blood cholesterol and triglycerides do not cause coronary artery disease or any vascular disease. Elevated blood cholesterol or triglycerides do not cause stroke or high blood pressure or cardiovascular disease or plugging of the arteries, coronary thrombosis, pulmonary embolism, and deep vein thrombosis. It has nothing to do with cholesterol and um, it has nothing to do with triglycerides. It has everything to do with eating things like processed meats with nitrates and nitrites, eating fried foods, even eating stir-fried foods of organically grown vegetables with extra, extra, extra virgin, virgin, virgin olive oil. That's why in 1971, when I did that study comparing the coronary arteries blockages from vegans during meat eaters, the vegans had the worst plugged arteries. And um, the, the thing you have to appreciate from, again, the fat and the cholesterol is that these are essential nutrients and we must have them. You have to get them somewhere. You can't make enough. Um, high fat diets are useful for us. We, uh, for instance, I can take people with the Parkinson's disease and give them the 90 essential nutrients and a couple of what we call our secret sauces and give them 12 to 15 eggs a day and I can, I can uh, eliminate all Parkinson's symptoms in three months. People who have dementia have been diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease by four very well-respected neurologists and including the head of the department of neurology at a medical school diagnosed this guy with Alzheimer's disease. In one week's time, they declared him cured on, on my program. That's great. Because he had to eat 12 eggs a day, right? Because it was replacing his brain, plus the 90 essential nutrients. And I do this literally thousands of times a year, fixing people with these neurological problems. Adrenal exhaustion is a cholesterol deficiency disease, is a fat deficiency disease. And I, I know I see so many people with adrenal exhaustion when you go to these health fairs and trade shows. People who try to eat right, they're doing their best or their heart's in the right place or trying to eat right. I have no disrespect for them from that place. But, and I always tell them, if you want to be a vegan, you can be a successful vegan like my good friend here, Dirk Twine. If you just supplement properly, you can do it. And so if being a vegan is that important to you, you need to supplement, do it correctly, and you'll you'll be fine. But if you don't supplement, you're, you're every morning you're waking up playing that game, throwing those dice, and a v, you know, snake eyes comes up. Absolutely. So basically, Doc, um, uh, the, the point that I tried to make initially was um, the vegan is the one that is in the greatest danger. That's the, correct. The other forms of vegetarianism, you're getting a lot that the body needs. piece that the vegan is missing is particularly the cholesterol piece and the fat piece. It's and the minerals. And the mineral piece. Yeah. But all, all types need the 90 essential nutrients, the 60 minerals, the 16 vitamins, the 12 amino acids, the 3 fatty acids. Everybody needs that. Every living, breathing, walking human being. And all vertebrates, hummingbirds, elephants, okay. snakes, okay. Okay. fish all need it. Okay. And so with the essential nutrients, the other types other than the vegan type, they're in very good condition if it gets shape if they're supplementing with all 90 essential nutrients. If they're nutrients. supplementing, that if they're supplementing if they're with all 90 essential nutrients. They're in good shape. But the vegan, even with supplementation, there's some challenges That's that right. we have to be aware of. That's right. And so it's very important that we know this and understand this. And, I, and, I, and for me personally, I became a vegan as I searched for healthy eating ways. I didn't become a vegan for any other reason other than seeking uh, good health. And so as we learn more, we should do more. And so... I think it's very important, and I wanted to share that information. Mm -hmm. I want to thank you again, Doc, because, uh, as I said, I've been a, a vegan for almost 20 years. Uh, I feel compelled to share this information with others so that they can be healthy and live a long, healthy life. And, uh, and I really appreciate all the work that you've done. And you're far from being a vegetarian and sharing this information so that uh, the vegetarian community and the uh, and vegetarian family can, can live long, healthy lives. All Americans 
can live long, healthy lives. All people of the world with this information can live long, healthy lives. You're exactly right. Now, there's no reason why everybody can't live to be well beyond 100. A human being has the capacity to live long, well beyond 100. The fact that we don't has nothing to do with genetics. It has to do with nutritional deficiencies. And I always tell people, if you're not prepared to supplement properly, what you're saying is there's too much bother for you to take supplements and kind of understand why you need to take them and pass that on to your children. It's, it's more important to just forget that stuff because it's too much problem for you to deal with it than having 50 more years with your grandkids. Because if you supplement properly, you're going to get 50 more years with your grandkids. Is it, to me, that's worth everything. I pluck my eyes out and cut my arms off for 50 more years with my grandkids. Right. And so just changing my diet a little bit and supplementing, that's a small price to pay for 50 more years with your grandkids. Absolutely. Thank you very much, Doc. God bless you, Dirk. Keep up the great All work. Right, thank you. This CD is not intended to diagnose, prescribe, or treat any diseases. It is your responsibility to consult your personal health care practitioner prior to beginning any type of health and wellness program. Also, ask the person that gave you this CD for more information about Dr. Wallach and his nutritional products. Thank you for listening to this presentation. And remember to contact the person that sent this to you. For more presentations and books that go into greater detail, go to docwallachmedia.com and be well. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. These products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. The opinions expressed in this informational program are the express opinions of Joel D. Wallach, B.S. D.V.M. N.D., are not a replacement for proper medical advice and treatment. In all cases, we recommend you contact your physician directly regarding any medical conditions.